Go ahead and open your Bibles to Galatians chapter four. While you're doing that, let me introduce myself. I'm Rob Sweet, one of two teaching pastors here. It's great to have Lloyd back. If you were here last week, you got to see Lloyd for the first time in a couple of months. He's been out on sabbatical and he's back. And we're in our Advent series called Make Room. And I wanna start this morning with a Christmas quiz. It's kind of just for fun, but it will connect. I'm gonna put a series of pictures on the screen. These are all Christmas bad guys from our Christmas movies. And I wanna see if you can shout out their names. So as quick as you can, we'll start easy. Put the first one on the screen. All right, uh, maybe who wrote the book that he, this guy's from? Dr. Seuss. Okay, very good. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. All right, we're just warming up. Another one, hopefully this one's pretty easy as well. Go ahead. Yeah, Ebenezer Scrooge from... Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens. Very good. I'll get a little bit harder on these last two. Maybe. Go ahead with number three. Marvin Harry. Yeah. Very well. Who said Marvin Harry? Right there, man. It's like most people, you know, previously, when I, when I did this at Brentwood, they were like, the Home Alone robber guys. You, Marvin Harry. Boom. All right. Watched it last night. Okay. Way to, way to confess. And then uh, one more. Potter. Yeah, Potter from It's a Wonderful Life, all right? Might have been, it's been a long time since I watched that movie, but um, let's put them all on the screen because I want to ask you this question. What do they all have in common? Like when you, when you think about their character, when you think about like what they represent, what do they all have in common? Okay, I heard greed. What else? Pride. Did I hear something from you, Mr. Joe Levitt? No, he said hats. Oh, hats. Oh, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> That's good. That's very clever. Yes, yeah, selfish, that's right. They're greedy, they're selfish. You, you might just say it this way. They lack a little Christmas spirit. In every single one of these Christmas movies, and, and these guys are representative of, I think, every Christmas special maybe ever made, you're gonna have a villain who's selfish and greedy, and at some point in time, a little kid's gonna say, he just needs a little Christmas spirit. And I wanna throw up in my mouth every time I hear that. <laughs> Because they take this beautiful, rich, theological, historically true celebration and they make it into this Christmas spirit. It's all about love and generosity. Now, here's the thing. I'm, I'm not here to just bash Christmas movies. Like I, I love a good Christmas movie. But what I want to talk to you about today is actually there's something these movie producers are onto and they don't even know it. And that is this. At the heart of Christmas is generosity. At the heart of Christmas is sort of this openness and this self-giving that these bad guys are the foils of. So the Christmas movies get that part right, but they've cut out the theology of it. And so what I wanna show you this morning is how the theology of Christmas is attached to generosity. And it's a generosity that starts with God as the generous self-giving one, capital O-N-E, and then leads to us as his image bearers and our generosity. So this is why I wanted you to go to Galatians chapter four. You can go and take those guys off the screen, yeah. And let's go to Galatians four. Now, here's what I'm gonna do. I'm, I'm gonna unpack these two verses. We're gonna do a deep dive on the theology of Christmas this morning. And I don't have real long to unpack this because the best part of the message is actually gonna be after I unpack these verses, we're gonna apply the verses. And we have with us this morning, one of our fellowship missionary couples who live out this idea of being others-centered. 
And so what we're gonna talk about this morning, both in the text and then as I interview them for the back half of the message is, what does it mean for us to make room for other people? Make room for other people as God made room for us. So that's where we're gonna go this morning. So let's look at Galatians 4, 4 to 5. One of my favorite Christmas passages, even though most people don't necessarily think of it as a Christmas passage. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. This is perhaps the simplest and clearest explanation of Christmas that there is. Now, what do these verses teach us about Christmas? Well, well, well num- number one, there was a certain moment in time that God had ordained from the beginning, and it's described here as the fullness of time. When all things were in order, and we could talk about that and why it was a great time for Jesus to come, and you know the, the Pax Romana and the common language of Greek and all those kinds of things, but I don't wanna spend time on that. What I wanna spend time on is the next phrase. God sent forth his son. Christmas at its heart is a mission where God essentially sends himself, the son of God, the second person of the Trinity, leaving home, going to a faraway place. How do we know it's a faraway place? We'll look at the next phrases. Born of woman, how alien from God is that? That God would be born of woman. (laughs) That's just hard for us to conceive in our minds. That's how far Jesus came, so to speak. Born under the law, how inconceivable is it that God himself who created the law, that God himself who is In essence, above the law, God is holy in and of himself without any law. He put himself under the law. Jesus came a long way from home. Why did he come on this mission? To redeem those who were under the law. That's you and me, so that we might receive adoptions as sons. Now, I want you to see the generosity of God at the heart of the Christmas story. I want you to see the self-giving, this this all-encompassing open-heartedness, and I want you to think about it this way. We're talking about making room in this Advent series. It all started with God making room for us. Now, leave these verses on the screen. What I I wanna do is is fasten your seatbelts because we're we're gonna go, we're gonna dive deep into into some theology here that, that you have to understand in order for these verses to really explode with meaning in your mind. And so I want to talk about the nature of God. What do we know about God? Well, well, I mentioned it a minute ago. We know that God is Trinity. Of course, this is where we have to start with a biblical understanding of God. And, and I know it's impossible for us to, for it to fully make sense. How can God be both three and one? But that's exactly what the scripture teaches us. God is three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, one essence. Now, that's the way the theologians would describe it. Three persons, one essence. So are there three gods? No, there is one God. But within that one God, there is, in, a, in essence, a fellowship, a, re- a relational God, a community that is Father, Son, and Spirit, and that community has one essence, one God, three persons. Now, that's the first thing we know about God. Another thing we know about God comes in 1 John 4, 8. And you know this verse. You might not know you know this verse, but 1 John 4.8 says, God is love. Now, that's almost as hard to conceive as God as Trinity. And let me explain why. It doesn't say God is a loving being or God is a loving. It says God is love. In the Greek, it's essentially just an equivalent. It's like, think about an equal sign. God, equal sign, love. 
That's how we are to understand that. So I want you to, to let the implications of this come into your mind for just a minute. It means the material, the essence, the substance, the thing that God is made up of is love itself. Now think about these two concepts, Trinity and, and God's essence is love. God is three persons, one essence. The essence of God is love. When you put these two ideas about God, these two truths about God together, it actually starts to fit. Now, think about it with me for a minute. Love requires relationship. And God has that in himself. So here's the way to conceive about God. I, I know I'm stretching us a bit because this may not be the way you would typically think about God, but I'm telling you guys, this is a biblical way to think about God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit have existed since before time began in continuous relationship with one another, and the essence of that relationship is love. So if you want to think biblically about the nature of God, think about it this way. God is a community of love. Three persons, one God, one essence. Now, if you're tracking with me, it's not just some God up there who is loving. No, you've got a Trinitarian God, Father, Son, Spirit, loving each other since before time began. What that means is God is the only being in the universe that does not lack anyone or anything in order to be whole. All the rest of us are wandering around this earth trying to find love. That's essentially what we're doing all of our lives. We're working hard on our career so we can feel good about ourselves, so we can feel a sense of accomplishment. We, we work hard at our families. We love our kids. We love our wives. Some of that is the, the goodness of God and the image of God that is in us, but a lot of that is just our own craving to, to be loved ourselves. We, we get hungry. We get thirsty. We have to fill ourselves with outside things. God is whole and complete and perfect in and of himself. Unlike us, he doesn't lack anything or anyone for him to be fully satisfied and perfectly at home. Now, if you can think about God that way, a Trinitarian God who is love, three persons, doesn't lack anything at all, you start to see why Christmas was a radical act of generosity. God did not need us. He loved so well that the love of the Trinity wanted to envelop us into it. So back to Galatians chapter four. When the fullness of time had come, you see it was his plan all along. God sent forth his son, sent him on a rescue mission. God the son left the family of love, left the union of love that is the Trinity. It never fully left it until the moment on the cross when the sin was placed on him. But, but there's a, a very significant leaving when he took on flesh and, lived in our fallen sinful world. He left home, the son did, on a mission, and the mission was to bring us back into his home, which is the love of God. Jesus, who is love with flesh on, left home to bring you into the fullness of love of God himself. This is the mission of Christmas. This is, 
dare I say, the real Christmas spirit. You know, This is generous God overflowing into us. And so why do we give gifts on Christmas? Well, there's all kinds of traditions related to that. But I hope for us at Fellowship, the core of this is, oh my goodness, I have been welcomed into love. And therefore, as I have been made whole, so to speak, in the love of God, I am able to give of myself. Christmas is ultimately about God making room for us. And now, as we live out the image of God, we make room for others. Because when, when Jesus, after he died and was resurrected and ascended into heaven, he left Christians as his body. So the son sent the spirit to indwell in us and be the hands and feet of Christ. You see, the mission didn't end when Jesus ascended into heaven. Jesus commissioned us, his followers, his church, to be about the mission, to leave home, so to speak, and bring others into the love of God. How do we do that? Through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, here's the application of this. Two points of application as you think about this. I, I, I know this was like, wow, that was a interesting take on Christmas, maybe you're thinking that, or a, I hope you tracked this with me because it matters how you and I live. Number, number one, have you received? Have you received the love of God? Have you opened your hands to accept the generosity of God? Or have you just kind of gone through some religious motions? So I, I attend church. I believe Jesus. I believe the virgin birth. I believe, you know, all these things about Jesus. No, no, no. Have you received the love of God? Have you opened your arms and said, through faith, Jesus, I believe and I receive the gift of salvation. And, and here's what happens if you've actually done that. Only then can you actually start to give true love to other people. Because let me just say it this way, guys. If you've never actually received true love from your creator, you never will be able to give because you're always gonna go and be going around saying, I've gotta be loved, I've gotta be loved. No, the, the, the Christian, if he really understands what's happened in his heart, would say, I have been loved. And even though this life is still hard and imperfect and my relationships are still busted up, I know that at the end of the day, I am in community, I am in relationship, I am in fellowship through the spirit in me with the triune God who is love itself. So that's the application number one. Have you received the generosity of God? It has to start there. Number two, if you have, then you are also called to make room for other people. Make room for other people in your own life, in your heart. And, and yes, that's evangelism. That, that's sharing your faith, sharing the gospel. It's also just wide open hospitality because for many, that's where evangelism starts. And I want to talk about that some more. So Christmas, if you think about it this way, the start of this rescue mission that continues to this day, we are Christians because we're meant to be Christ to the world. We're meant to open up our hearts, open up our hands, open up our arms, open up our tables and make room for other people. So the Christmas movies get it just a tiny little bit right. It is about generosity. It is about giving at the end of the day. But without Christ at the center, without God who is love, at the center of all this, then it's just all some waste of time and, and feel-good nonsense. 
but with God, with Christ, with Galatians 4, 4, and 5, with the theology of Christmas embedded in the message, we can say, I have been loved by God himself, therefore I can make room for other people. So Susan did a great job of talking about global Christmas, and, and I'm with her, man. It's one of my absolute favorite times of the year, period. But when we add global Christmas on top of that, I'm just like, thank you for this annual reminder of what we're doing here. And I don't just mean what Christmas is about. I mean what we exist for as a church. We exist for a purpose. We exist for a mission. We exist, one of our core values is not about ourselves. And so that little slogan at uh, Global Christmas, less under our tree is more for the world. Less under our tree is more for the world. I wanna encourage us to really live that out as image bearers of God. I wanna invite Nate and Brittany Bruins to the stage. Y'all can go ahead and start coming up. Uh, Nate and Brittany are two of our fellowship missionaries, and I'm gonna explain a little bit about what, what that is. You know, we have global partners. Our global partners are uh, indigenous people in countries that we've partnered with. Then we have fellowship missionaries. Fellowship missionaries are people from here, and not just here, United States, but here from our church, from our body, that God's spirit has called them to go and be a part of a work, either partnering with one of our global partners, as Nate and Brittany have been doing, or serving somewhere else to an unreached people group. So we've got our global partners, but we also have our fellowship missionaries. And when we give at Global Christmas, it's going to that, and our local partners as well. So it's just a, a thrill to have Nate and Brittany with us. Uh, they've been serving in Germany for the last six, six years with Stefan uh, in Germany, which will tell you a little bit more about their ministry. But I just want to start by thanking you guys for being with us. Um, tell us a little bit about you, your family, and tell us about your story, like how you were, came from fellowship and were sent to Germany. Yeah. Um, first, thanks for having us this morning. Uh, it truly is a joy and an honor to be with you guys. Um, and it's quite humbling, to be honest. Um, you are part of the body that sent us out, even if we don't recognize all the faces, but we're still connected and we know that and we feel that. Um, yeah, so we are the Bruins family. Um, I'm Nate, this is my wife, Brittany. Um, our kids, you can see up there on the screen. Our oldest is Will, and then we have Emerson and then Sadie, our daughter. And yeah, we've been in Potsdam the last six years um, as fellowship sent out missionaries, uh, working with a small church plant there called Mittendrin. Um, and it's been a joy and it's been an honor. Um, our story with fellowship goes way back. Uh, we first visited when fellowship was still meeting in Franklin High School as a little pop-up church. Um, but we've been members here since 2004. And so our three kids were born and, and raised up in this church. And in a lot of ways, we ourselves were raised up in this church under amazing gospel-centered teaching um, amongst amazing gospel-centered community. And we continue to profit from that. Uh, as a matter of fact, the reason we are where we are today is because we were taught to grow and mature in our faith and give our lives away. And so our journey um, may be a little atypical compared to some missionaries. We were living our best Williamson County life. I was in pharmaceutical sales. Um, Brittany was a stay-at-home mom, working part-time, um, doing consulting work from home until the fall of 2013, and God started systematically dismantling everything in our lives that we leaned on that was not him. And he started for us what we lovingly and affectionately refer to as our desert wandering journey with him 
Um, I, I would love to say that he led us out of Egypt, but it was really more like he yanked us out of Egypt because we were not always willing partners in that. And so he did, and he started teaching us to rely on him for everything, for our direction, for our provision, um, for our strength, our hope, everything about that. And that period, that season was so vital for us so that a year later, as we were on a mission trip with fellowship to, to Germany, to Potsdam, and he started placing that call on our hearts, we were at a place that we could say yes. We could not have done that prior to that desert wandering journey with him. And so that's where we've been the last six years. We launched uh, July 2016 with our kids. Uh, they were a lot smaller than they are now. Um, and it's just been a joy. So let me follow up with a question. So we, we call you fellowship missionaries. You use the word missionary yourself, but most people think of missionaries living in some, you know, dirty hut place somewhere. And, and what's it been like for you guys to kind of lean in to that label, so to speak? Yeah, um, I get asked often, we do, like, did you always want to be a missionary? Absolutely not. Like, this was completely an unexpected journey for us. Um, I was the kid growing up in church that I would never pray that prayer that said, God, if you want me to be a missionary, like, send me, here I am. I was terrified I would end up in a hut somewhere. <laughs> and that was not what I had pictured for my life. Um, and really, it, it took God um, changing that perspective for me to get us to this place. Uh, we had somebody tell us early on in our marriage, if you want to do something amazing for your marriage, go on a mission trip together. Go serve together. I mean, it only took us 12 years and three kids to get to that point where we finally did that. And I'll take the blame for that. Uh, that was probably more me. But um, God started shifting my focus because I thought, okay, mission trip. Let's go dig a well. Let's go build a hut. Like, I'll come back. I'll feel good about what I did. And that's how this works. It never crossed my mind to go somewhere like Germany to be relational with people. And God, man, at the back of a service, this is a Saturday night service uh, at Fellowship there in Brentwood. And he just started speaking to my heart going, Nate, I've created people to go dig wells and build huts. And that's amazing and vital work. But that's not how I created you. And if I need you to go sit in a coffee shop in Germany and relate to somebody on a heart level and connect with them, I need you to be okay with that. And I think really what it came down to was I had to be able to let go of the shame that I was going to feel telling people, yeah, my mission work is relating to people at a heart level. And so he just really reshaped that for us um, and just allowed us to be free to do mission work the way he designed us to do mission work. Oh, that's so key because when I talk to people about how is God calling you to serve, they, they just don't, don't know. And you always have to start with the question, how, how does he made you? <laughs> what do you enjoy doing? How do you connect with other people? I love that God used that to send you. Brittany, for you, so your family gets over to Germany in a very different context. Tell us a little bit more about the context and then tell us how you began to, to live out this idea of making room for other people. 
Yeah, so um, a, a little bit about Potsdam. Um, Potsdam is just southwest of Berlin. Um, it is in the former east side of Germany. 99% um, of the population does not have a relationship with Jesus, which that means only 1% of that population does. And Potsdam is relatively the same size as Williamson County. Um, it's known as the atheistic capital of the world. Um, and so um, that's where the Lord drew us to. Um, that's where we ended up. Um, and as we um, do ministry, Nate and I both are highly relational people. And as we do ministry, we think of it as kind of this linear line. Um, and if you have this line and somewhere in the line in the middle of it is this door. And we like to say, this is the door of salvation. This is, I've come from the side of not knowing Jesus and I've passed through the door and I now have a relationship with Jesus and call him savior of my life. And then I move forward um, into deeper relationship with Jesus. And um, as we got out of language school and doing more of our ministry, Ministry. Nate's ministry work was really on this side of the line, doing a lot of discipleship inside the church. And the Lord was really just drawing my heart to and opening doors for me on this side of the line. What did it look like to live in relationship with people that are at negative zero, um, even um, inside of where they lived. And um, about three years into our work, um, I read this book uh, called Half the Sky. And um, in this book, towards the very end, this one little small little paragraph, the author says, uh, what does it look like if we as Republicans or conservatives and we as liberals and as Democrats uh, were to come together and fill this God gap? And there was just this something about that word, the God gap, that just really stuck with me. I, and I just began to wrestle with that and just began to, to just exchange with the Holy Spirit. What did it look like for me to play with inside this God gap? Um, a word that Nate and I use often in our house is people that are inside the church and people that are inside this are in the city. And when we refer to the city, we're referring to anyone that doesn't um, that is not in an active relationship with Jesus. And so I just the more that I prayed about that, the Lord just started um, to give me this vision of a Frauen book club, a women's book club. Um, and so we um, I started thinking about who that was, and I started inviting some women inside our church to come and start reading books with me that were biographies and autobiographies of women. But I never wanted, the vision was never to have more women from the church than the city. If anything, there needed to be more women from the city than the church. And women that I knew inside the city, I invited them to come along and start reading books together. And, and this little group, we started reading these books together, but it was more than just reading books. We wanted to serve together as well. And so every time we would get together, we got out our uh, Taschengeld, which is pocket change, and it was to be no more than five euros at a time. And we would collect our money together and we want it to impact globally. And so we started microloans for um, women businesses that were in third world countries. Um, but we also wanted to do something locally as well. And we would take that pocket change and we interacted with the local uh, domestic uh, women's abuse shelter that's there in Potsdam. Um, and we also um, started interacting with a local ministry that's dear to my heart uh, called Alabaster Jar in Berlin. And they help women that are dealing with sex trafficking or been stuck in the sex trafficking industry to be able to come out. Um, 
And what was really special about all of that is that as these connections between the church and the city started to happen, when our church would do an outreach picnic or we would have a concert for Christmas, we would invite these women from the book club to come and join us. And as they came and joined us, they didn't just know me inside the church or they didn't just know one other person inside the church, but they knew multiple of us inside the church. And it built this community that was being established between the church and the city. And so I share all of that. My takeaway from that is that I want to live a life that makes room for people in the city. I want to live in such a way that um, I am, that my life is an example of the gospel so that people can engage with Jesus in a way that maybe they've never experienced him before. And so I just, I want to make room for the city. I want to make space, safe space for people to be able to relate to one another in, in a way that is understandable to them as well. Mm, let me, let me just jump in and, and make some application that just popped in my mind. Oftentimes it takes missionaries who've been serving in a different cultural context to come back and teach us how to minister in our own context. And it strikes me as you were talking, Brittany, there's nothing that you were talking about doing that we couldn't do. We've got people in the city. We've got lots of people in the city. We can do book clubs. No, I couldn't do a Frauen book club. <laughs> But, but we, can do, we can do this. And um, there's another story that, I, that I, I want you to tell that you told me about, about the guy outside the grocery store. Will you tell that story too? Yeah. So um, right uh, early on where the uh, Russian invaded Ukraine and the Ukrainian war was happening, um, our church, uh, church plant, got really involved with helping refugees, Ukrainian refugees that were entering into our city. And so we were also in the process of starting to get our apartment ready to be able to be on home assignment for this year and we were cleaning out lots of stuff and I had taken a box and stuck all of these shoes inside the box and then I took that box and I put it faithfully in my car um, to then take that box and go drop it off at the refugee center and I drove around for a while with that box in the back of my car <laughs> faithfully um, having not uh, turned that in yet um, and I, uh, on a Monday I went and I drove up to the grocery store um, and there was a homeless man when I came out he was sitting on the curb and he was one that I hadn't seen before. Um, and as I walked out and I saw him, uh, the small, still whisper of the Spirit said, I want you to give him something. And I was like, oh, I don't want to have to go back in the grocery store and buy a banana or a piece of bread. Like, he didn't know. And he was like, the Spirit said, I want you to give him those shoes in the back of your car. And I said, no, he does not want the shoes in the back of my car. And so I said, no, this is going to be good. And this went back and forth with the Spirit multiple times. I want you to give him something. I want you to give him the shoes. And I kept saying, no, he does not want what I have. And so I get in my car and I drive away. The entire week I thought about this man. And I thought about this opportunity that the Lord had given me to engage with this man. And I just didn't. And it wasn't that I felt the, the punishment of the Lord, it was that I felt the sadness that I missed out on this opportunity to be able to engage with the Spirit and, and bless this man, but bless me as well. And so I went to the grocery store on Friday with those, uh, the box still in the back of my car. I had not made it to the Ukrainian uh, refugee center yet. Um, and as I drive up, the man was not there. And I had been praying all day that he would be sitting out there and he was not there. So when I came out of the grocery store, I really prayed the whole time inside, please let that man be on the corner. And he was not there anymore. He was still not there. And so I got in my car and I just prayed. I was like, Lord, I'm just, I'm just sad. Um, I'm just sad. I missed out. And when I pulled out of the parking spot, I went the wrong way, which meant I had a 
turn around the entire parking lot. And when I came around the parking lot, the man was sitting on the corner and I wheeled over really fast and I get out of the car and I go running up to him. And in German, I was like, hello, I'm Brittany. And he said, hello. And I said, would you like some shoes? And he said, yeah. And so I opened the trunk of my car and I pull out the first pair of shoes and I point to the shoe size. I was like, is this your shoe size? And he said, yes. And I was like, oh, and so I gave him the first pair of shoes and I pulled out the next. I was like, this, yes. And I gave him the next. He's now standing there with nine pairs of shoes. Shoes in his in his hands, and I was like, oh, "You need a bag." And I happened to bring extra bags with me to the grocery store. I said, like, "Get a bag," and I put all the shoes in the bag, and um, and then I handed him the bag, and I just I put my hand on um, his shoulder, and I just looked him in the face, and I said, "Jesus loves you, and He sees you." And I got in my car and I just wept. I mean, just wept. It was this reminder to me that the Lord is a story of redemption. And in that moment, he had redeemed my story and he had redeemed that man's story with just, as you've said before, this generosity of standing there with nine pairs of shoes in his hand. And, and so my takeaway from that is that I wanna make room for that, that small voice to have faithful obedience. It's, it's not about punishment and it's not about rebuke. It's about, I want to be faithful in my obedience to the Lord and I wanna make room for that voice so that I can respond to that. That is so relatable. I, I have had that moment where God is speaking, like, go talk to that person. I'm like, no, <laughs> no room, <laughs> no room, drive away. He's so good to give you an extra chance though. Uh, Nate, let me go back to you. I, I know because this is how I tend to think. I know there's some people here that are thinking, ah, oh, there's something inspiring about what you're saying, but I don't feel like I have room. <laughs> and, and we're all so crazy busy. And I, I think you can relate to that. So what would you say to that person thinking, I wanna make room, but I don't have room? I would say I absolutely understand that. Um, I've wrestled with that. I continually wrestle with that. Um, matter of fact, we had small group one night and had a girl that was in our small group come up and just, how are you doing? Or so, oh, so busy. She was like, all of you people that work at the church, you're just always so busy. Like, you never have time to do anything outside of church. Who would ever want to come to church and be a part of that? And I was like, ha, 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 ow. Like, that was really convicting. Um, and it really, like, it caught, like, I wrestled with that. And it made me think, yeah, she's right. And so... As it came time for us to renew, at the time we had led small group for years, and we just thought, you know what? God's calling us to invest in our not yet believing neighbors, and we don't have time for them. Like, we're going to have to say no to some good things so that we can do the things that God's putting on our heart. And so we did. We made some really hard choices that um, we may not have made prior to, but we really felt God saying, make room. Make room for these people. They won't get to know me if they don't have a chance to interact with me through you. Mm. Oh man, that's really convicting <laughs> for me. I think for all of us. And that say, say that line because I want to remember what you just said. You said something about have to make you have to make hard decisions or say that again. Yeah. Uh, so we had to say no to some really good things so that we could have room to say yes to the things that God was putting on our hearts. And that's really, really hard to do. Gosh, really we hard. wrestle with that with our kids and we have those conversations constantly. That, that actually reminds me of less under our tree, more for the world. And think about that in terms of time and choices and relationships. Say no to some really good things to make room. Because here's what, here's what I want you guys to all feel, myself included, is 
God's not sending you to Germany. Well, maybe one or two of you, I don't know. But he sent you here. Do you see this? Do you see this? Now, you know, God does things and he'll do more stuff like the Bruins. He'll send more of us and I hope he does. But for most of us, he sent us here and we don't have room for people in the city. And that is something that I think God is changing in my heart and I pray for us in that too. Um, tell, tell us about what's next for you guys. Where, where do you go for here, from here? And, and, then, and then maybe the last question I'll ask after you answer that, Nate, is how can we pray? Yeah. So we landed back stateside for our one-year home assignment, uh, middle of July. And so our plan is to return back at the end of July to Potsdam to continue the work and see how God develops that and what the next steps are. Um, really specifically, um, we spent a lot of time reconnecting with a lot of our supporters here in town, and we are about to enter into um, a time in January and February of deep spiritual rest. Um, one thing we love about our sending organization is they really care about the health of those of us out on the field. And so this is part of that time to really get still before God, to hear that still small voice, to be able to tune out the noise and the busyness and to make room to hear God. And so that's what we're going to be doing in January and February. And you can just be praying with us that we truly do hear his voice. Um, as I said, our plan is to head back, but we hold that loosely. Our plan was never to be there in the first place, but God said, go. And so our plan is to be there unless he says, make a hard right. And we're open to that, even though that's not what we foresee as our plan. So coming out of that time, we will take a look at ways that he may be redirecting the work that we're doing there and what are, what are things that we need to be learning to prepare us well for those next steps. Um, in full disclosure, we've had, you know, after six years, we've had some holes in our support come up that we need to spend time leaning into and God saying, hey, I wanna invite more people into this story that I'm doing there. And so we look forward to connecting with new people that will be part of this tribe, this Bruins tribe, um, serving there. That's great. Tell us some more, maybe Brittany, share with us some prayer requests from your heart. Yeah, so the first thing that's on my heart is that those three really cute kids that you saw up there earlier are- Put, put them back, put the picture back. Um, are in the Learning Center right now. And um, they are, if you have children, they're speaking to your children this morning um, and sharing with them what it's like to be a missionary kid and what it's like uh, to live in a, um, and go to school and uh, in a church and a church plant and to interact in high schools where 99% of the people around you um, have not the same moral system and belief as you do. Mm. Um, and so my hope and our prayer um, has been that um, as they share this morning, that the spirit is moving inside of them and that there is a whole new generation of children that are being raised up to go out onto the mission field, uh, wherever that is that the Lord plants them to serve and share and be bold and courageous with their faith. So. Um, the next thing uh, that I will say is that uh, the tallest one on the right, his name is Will, um, uh, or on the left, sorry. Um, we the oldest one, um, we are going to be launching him out of our home. Uh, we're about to send him off to college. And so um, 
as we, um, as we return to Europe, we will be leaving a child stateside. And so um, we covet your prayers as our family makes that transition this next year. And the last thing I just wanna say on behalf of all of the missionaries uh, that Fellowship supports and all of the global partners uh, that Fellowship supports, I, we just wanna say thank you. Um, your financial giving has a huge impact um, on our lives and the lives that we live around. Um, and it's tangible and you can sense it and you can feel it and it's good and it's right and it's beautiful. And we are just so, so grateful for this generous, generous body of believers. Mm. Let me give us a couple points of action. You should have received in the mail, if you're on our mailing list, you should have received the Global Christmas Magazine. Guys, this is so, so well done, so well written, designed. We, we made it to be something you want to read because in here are the stories of our global partners, our fellowship missionaries, our local partners. There's a prayer guide that'll walk you through the whole month of December. If you haven't gotten started on that, you can always catch up, just start praying two a night and you'll, you'll, you'll get through it that way. Uh, I think the, you guys, the Bruins are right here on December 19th, which is, uh, so you, you, we're still gonna yet pray for you. We're gonna pray for you again this morning, but I can't encourage you enough to grab a whole of this resource. If you didn't get one in the mail, we have some here today out there in our lobby area. Uh, inside this is a pullout for your kids, Global Christmas Kids. What's really fun about this is there's a, uh, a German recipe, a German craft. We're kind of really featuring the Bruins family this year, so it's so wonderful to have them with us. I'm going to ask you to pronounce this, uh, Brittany, a, this, this uh, recipe. The Zimtsterna. Okay, the Zimsterna Zim looks delicious. Uh, you can make that this Christmas. And then a German craft also. Frobelsterna. It's on here too. You too can pronounce difficult German words. And it's all right here. So I love the way this has been put together. I love the fact that we got to be here with you all. And then tell us how um, people in the congregation can connect with you guys specifically. Um, up here, oh. Sorry, up here is um, brunestribe.com. Uh, we are passionate about storytelling. Um, and so we hope that you will go out there and uh, connect to our, web our website. We'll lead you to our newsletter. And we really hope that you'll sign up for our newsletter and continue to follow the story that God is writing. Um, if you have questions um, or um, you wanna connect with us in other ways, uh, that's my email address. And please feel free to email us as directly as well. Terrific, leave that on the screen for just a minute, if you will. Uh, I get a lot of newsletters, um, many of us do. I read this one every single time because it is incredibly well-written. It's actually more like a, a de devotional that comes out. It updates us on you, but it really has taken me deep in some areas of my own heart. So honestly, I can't encourage you enough. Whether or not you wanna be involved with them past their newsletter, at least get involved in the newsletter and get connected because it's a really good resource. Uh, Prayer yeah, cards. You can say something. We have prayer cards out there for everybody. Wonderful. Grab a prayer card on your way out too. Great thing to put on your fridge. Just keep keep them in mind, especially this global Christmas as we walk through this magazine and feature it with the kids. I want to pray for you all, and we want to pray for you as a body. And then uh, I, I went out on a limb and asked Nate, I was like, hey, do you know enough German to pray for us in German? And he's like totally in on that. So nine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, whatever the yes is. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's easy. See? It's easy. Yeah, so uh, I'm gonna pray for us in English and then Nate's gonna pray for us in German. So let's bow our heads together. Father, I am grateful for Nate and Brittany and their kids. Thank you for sending them. You're gracious, you're, you're generous. You're gracious and generous to 
the people of Potsdam, Germany, to send this family there and the interactions that they've had over the last six years I, I know have been significant in a number of people, as Brittany said, taking a step closer to the door of salvation. And I wanna pray for them, God. I pray for them that you would use these next couple of months of refreshing and seeking your guidance, that you'd speak to them so clearly, that they would just know your, your generosity that they would understand and, and feel affirmed in their calling and the specifics of what that looks like. And I pray for their son, who they're launching the college, that, that he would just feel a sense of community around him and that this transition would go well for him and for their whole family. Thank you for their kids that are serving us this morning, our learning center. Thank you that my daughters are having an opportunity to hear from them what it's like to speak life into a secular context. How relevant is that? And I pray for our kids that they would have ears to hear and hear your spirit talking to them this morning. And finally, Father, I pray for us as a body that in this season of Advent, as we were talking about making room, that there'd be a part of us that would say, God made room for me, I wanna make room for other people, especially people that don't yet know Christ. And I pray that you would just move in all of us to be doing that more and more and more. Thank you, Father, for this time that we've had. Liebe God, ich danke dir für heute Morgen. Ich danke dir für Fellische Bible Church und die Leute dieser Gemeinde. Segne du den Rest des Tages und hilf uns, diese Woche Platz für andere zu schaffen. Im Namen Jesu. Amen. 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 Would you translate into English what you just said? <laughs> yeah. I just thank God for this morning, uh, for Fellowship Bible Church and just for the people of this body. Um, and just ask him to bless the rest of our day and to help us this week make room for others. Amen. Let's all stand together. Uh, each week, here's how we, we close the service off with, with a, a benediction, but it's also ascending. And this has become an important rhythm for us here at Fellowship because we recognize that, that every week we're gathered in. We're, we're gathered in to worship. We hear God speak to us through his word as the scripture is taught, and then we're sent out and we're sent out on purpose with a mission. So this is our sending this morning and let's receive this together. As you go, may you be the hands and feet of Jesus. May his name be on your lips and his welcoming spirit in your heart. May you give generously of your wealth and your warmth. May you be quick to smile at strangers and make eye contact with the discouraged. May God's spirit use you to bring someone home to the Father in the name of Christ. Amen. Have a good week. <laughs>